Showtime. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We're so excited to bring this show to you, folks. This is one we've been waiting for for a long time. We're starting up the Matt Townsend Show, which really, honestly, truly is your chance to learn what you need to learn, to ride the human wave we call life. And what we're doing every week now, folks, on this show, and day in, day out, we're going to be working on how we can make it through life without, I don't know, what would you say, wearing each other out, wearing our lives out. Welcome to the show. Now, what our goal is, folks, every day on the show is we're going to take on new issues that are just uniquely human, and uh, we're going to start to address what makes us uniquely human, what makes us special, and even maybe more importantly, start to give you a little handbook to humanity. And, you know, we're all here, and none of us really learned, you know, we didn't take classes to be better humans, per se. We didn't really understand things before we got married, some of us. Some of us uh, had children thinking that that would just be fun and easy because they're just so darn cute, right? And in reality, what we're now starting to learn is that being human sometimes isn't as easy as maybe it sounds or seems. So the goal of the show is every week and every uh, afternoon about 3 o'clock, we're going to start addressing some unique topics about being human, give you some ideas, some tools that we hope will help your relationships grow long uh, and strong into the future That is the goal of the Matt Townsend Show, and again, every day, Monday through Friday, right here on Sirius XM 143. Now, let's get started into it. As part of humanity, uh, one of the things we're going to do also is give you a little taste of the day-to-day human life, a little human news, stuff that's going on in the news, before we introduce our uh, topic for the day and our special guest who's going to give us some insight on maybe the potential benefits of nagging. What would you think if I told you that nagging possibly could be very good for your health. Is that something you'd bite off on? How many of you think every time you're at home and your wife's uh, giving you a little advice or unsolicited feedback, how many times do you think to yourself, stop it, please, leave me alone. You're killing me, lady. You're killing me. Have you ever thought that thought? Well, guess what? She may not be out to kill you. She actually may be out to save your neck, your life, to improve your health. We're going to show you a new study and talk about a new study with one of our professors, uh, Dr. Joe Austinson from Brigham Young University, a professor of psychology. He's going to give us some insight into nagging. So if you happen to have somebody in your life that maybe uh, gives you a little bit too much feedback, you know what? Grab them and get them so that they can listen to this show, uh, especially today, because we're going to be addressing that. But before we do, I want to get into some of the news, just the human news. Uh, Again, just stuff about being human in life. And trying to deal with the ins and outs, the ups and downs that sometimes come when you're just trying to be, I don't know, human. There's a great story of a poor little girl. Now imagine this day, okay? You're in Boulder, Colorado, and you have the great benefit of sitting there while President um, Barack Obama shows up. Uh, You happen to be just at a little – it's like a little ice cream stand or a little ice cream place. It's called The Sink. It's a dive of a place, they say. But – you know what? Tons of fun. And as you're sitting there, the president's motorcade pulls up and you're just like, no way, the president's here. And he gets out to greet some people and a young woman spills her yogurt all over the president. (laughs) 
Can you imagine that moment? Oh, how proud would you be as a mother? Oh, that's my girl right there. Yep, that's, she's the one wiping off the president's legs. Um, apparently, the poor girl spills her yogurt all over the president's pants, and he just smiles, kind of, you know, laughs it off a little bit, uh, bends over, wipes off his own pants with a towel, and makes comments to the Secret Service like, take that girl out, get her out of here. Uh, probably not the exact words. Interestingly, the the reporters that were around weren't able to quote the exact words because nobody could hear what he said, or at least that's what they say he said. And um, anyway, what do you do? You've now just thoroughly embarrassed yourself. In fact, she just said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. How many of you can relate to that? That, my friends, is a human experience. And the human experience, interestingly, one of them that is so unique to all of us is the sheer fact that as humans, we get very embarrassed, don't we? Here's another one. Maybe this is one that we can kind of just put into the file for, hey, know your audience. Listen to this. Oh, honestly. A Chinese company is creating some buzz online for naming its sunglasses uh, line after Helen Keller. Yeah. Now, I mean, seriously, I'm not sh- I, I'm assuming they're um, I'm assuming they're uh, all dark glasses, uh, but sunglasses. But Chinese company thinks let's name them after Helen Keller. Now, you know, Helen Keller is the deaf and blind American who overcame and became uh, her her blindness. I mean, her her struggles and and became a serious advocate for people with disabilities. And now what they're going to do is they're going to put uh, together some really stylish Helen Keller Glasses. That's a powerful line, they say. And um, the slogan, the line, the slogan they're going to use is you see the world and the world sees you. Yes. So isn't it great that we have business out there just elevating humanity and taking us to such a different level? Because what, honestly, would we be if you weren't sporting some Helen Keller sunglasses to school every afternoon? Gosh, Stacy, are those Helen Kellers? Yes, they are. Do you like them? Oh, I love them. Um, pretty interesting stuff, huh? Humanity. Isn't it great? What else could you have? I mean, seriously, what could be better in life than being a human where you get to be embarrassed by dropping stuff all over the president or you get to sport some Helen Keller sunglasses? Another little bit of love that comes, uh, I think, just in the human race. This is a pretty sad story. Um, a donor a woman donated her kidneys, right, uh, to somebody she cared apparently about. She was an employee at the Atlantic Automotive Group, okay, uh, and her name is Debbie Stevens. And her boss, Jackie Brucia, 61-year-old Jackie, was uh, needed a kidney. And so um, Debbie donated the kidney, right, because that's just what you do. And apparently if you donate a kidney, it moves everybody else. It moves your Whomever you're donating the kidney for, it kind of moves them up the list because you've got people that are giving kidneys. Well, that would be all great. I guess Jackie, the one that needed the kidney, was Debbie's boss. Well, the long and short of it is just after she was given her um, kidney, uh, apparently Debbie or uh, Jackie, the boss, needed to fire Debbie. Yeah. So she fired the woman that gave a kidney that that expedited her ability to get her own kidney. And now Debbie Swenson is ticked off, and she wants her kidney back, doggone it. I want my kidney, and I want it now. Okay? So uh, the neat trick about being human, I guess, apparently, is that we now get to go figure out how you get your kidney back from somebody. And I'm not sure if that's even possible. But uh, maybe one of the things – really, the big issue became, hey, look, because I guess in part of the uh, the firing of this person – 
Uh, she there were some words that were shared, and finally, the woman that gave her kidney just basically said this. This is her quote: "You hate me so much, and I'm so despicable. Give me my kidney back." Um, yeah. So, Deb, uh, not going to happen. Okay, you're probably not going to get a kidney back. But um, isn't that great? Now, can you imagine having to be the one mediating that great discussion? I just went from being a nice person to just being a wretched person and lost my job. And now because she lost her job, insurance is a big deal. She can't uh, even take care of her own health care. So she wants compensation. Good times. Good times in the human race. Now what we're going to do after our break, we're going to come back. With Dr. Joe Austinson, a professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, and we're going to be talking about nagging. Would you ever believe that nagging could be good for your health? Well, apparently, according to a new study, it can be in certain very specific situations. But we're going to get into nagging, nagging in your life, nagging with your wife, nagging with everything else you got going in your life. Is it good? Is it bad? What do we do with it, folks? That's what we're talking about right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143. And, of course, we've been talking about the human life, and uh, that's pretty much the focus of this show. What we're going to do in the end is, you know, slowly but surely teach you how to um, uh, take better advantage of your little time you do have on this earth and uh, take better advantage of making your relationships healthier, stronger. To do so, we're going to be first today talking about nagging. Now, what would you think if I said to you, nagging could be good for your health? Would you buy that? Do you believe, honestly, that uh, you can just nag somebody and it would actually improve their life? Well, apparently, according to a new study out of uh, Britain, I believe it is, yes, um, there is a, a, some pretty good research, at least, to say that people can benefit from being nagged, nudged, and cajoled by family members and friends as long as it's being, in, being cajoled and nagged into being more active. So nagging can actually help you be more likely to go get the exercise you need to get healthier, according to this new sports psychology report. And so we thought that was a pretty interesting idea. Hey, if nagging works to get somebody to exercise, maybe nagging would work to get them to do a lot of other things. I don't know, like, say, clean their room. Boy, why hasn't somebody tried that yet? So today we're going to talk about nagging. Before we do, there's a really interesting little uh, little statement that these the participants of the study made. Listen to this. One participant of the study summarized, look, we might be there sitting comfortably, reading or something, and my wife might say something like, hey, let's go do something. And he says, when I'm at a crossroads, 50-50, not sure if I want to do it or not, I need my, wife's to, my wife to push me a little bit, right? I need her to give me a little nudge, especially towards something healthy like that. Another person commented, my daughter is just full of beans. She always, uh, I guess, comes and says, hey, Dad, let's go do this. And, and then I need to sit down, and she tells me to chase her, and she actively gets me involved. So this idea of having a teasing child that's getting her dad all active uh, can actually be healthy for people. We're now going to go talk to right here Dr. Joe Aust- Austinson. Dr. Joe Austinson, professor of psychology from Brigham Young University, he also likes to be called the man, the myth, the non-nagger, and we're going to welcome him here today. Doctor, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. What's your take on this, this nagging thing? I mean, you'd think forever it's been negative, right? 
Sure. Yeah. So do you bite off on the idea that nagging is healthy? Yeah, I suppose it could be healthy for you. In that one area? Well, no, I think in a lot of areas it could probably be good. I mean, you want to get rid of the negative in your life. And if nagging is a negative, then the way to get rid of it is do what you're told, right? That's right. Shut up and do what you're told. Shut up and do what you're told. (laughs) Yeah. Now, nobody's nagging just to kill you, even though it feels like that. And and by the way, so – Think of it because you're an expert in, rela- in humans and human relationships, uh, yeah. right? So Some what's the big deal? So. What, what, what is nagging really? What is nagging really? Yeah. So what's the line be- between just me giving advice or giving a little pushy push? What is the difference? What is it that constitutes nagging for people? What drives somebody to think, oh, you're such a nag? Uh, I suppose it's how you receive the message maybe, some of it. Yeah. Um, if you really like your wife – and she says something, uh, gives you some advice, you're probably less likely to see it as nagging than if you don't like your wife. Yeah. If you're not liking your wife, it's going to just be nagging. Or if it's something you don't want to do, maybe. I, I don't know. Right. I mean. Yeah. Is it, do you sit there? I mean, is, I'm assuming because, uh, you know, I work with a lot of couples and hear them talk about, seriously, why is she always telling me what to do? Is there, a, is there tend to be a gender issue about this? I mean, it seems well, like I think, men might be considering women more naggy, and men don't necessarily call. Do we call men nags? Uh, no, we don't. And I think it's because men uh, don't always voice the things they're thinking about their their wives uh, when they think their wife ought to be working out, for example. Um, I don't know if this means they're smarter or dumber, but they yeah. just don't say anything about it as often as maybe women do. I don't know. Yeah, they kind of maybe stuff it a bit. Yeah, maybe. I guess they're afraid of, oh, what if this goes somewhere? Yeah. What if this turns into something? They don't want to do that. I definitely think husbands are more afraid of their wives than wives are their husbands. Well, I think, don't you think the research kind of bears that out? Like just the idea of pursuing a conversation is, tends to be much more of a female trait. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Do you, um, when, when you think about it, so I guess some nagging is healthy. What, what does your research over the years say about how it could be unhealthy? Like where, where does it impact? Yeah, I guess it depends on what health you're talking about. Yeah, because, physical health. Uh, right. Yeah, physical health. Certainly nagging could be good for that, but uh, you could be healthy and miserable at the same yeah, time. exactly. So I suppose if you're talking about the health of the relationship, that's something that's something else, totally different entirely. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe if you're te- if you're someone's nagging you to take your medicine, it's probably an important thing to do. Sure, take yeah. your medicine, right? Yeah, you need something. Sure. So it's interesting. I guess it, maybe it's the difference between a physical malady and a emotional feeling. Yeah. Well, and and this is where a lot of you know a lot of research tends to to be so narrow, where yeah. they look at something and and I mean, of course, the media is going to take this and run with yeah, it. Yeah, they but, love that. Hey, nagging is good for you. Yeah. It's good for your Nags health. Some more. Um, but my heavens, if you're nagged, how can you be? How can that be a pleasant relationship? Yeah. You know? At what point, really? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you starting to say seriously? Get off my back. Yeah. I'd rather be ill. This isn't going to die. Yeah. Let me be fat and overweight. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of you. It's an interesting thing. And I think you're right. The media loves it. Um, and and the, the, I think let's go back to that interpretation idea because all a nag is is an interpretation. Sure. It's just well, somebody yeah, giving it, feedback. Sure. Yeah. I mean if if she's more persistent, then, then <laughs> maybe it gets a little bit yeah. irritating. Uh, but yeah, I think – I mean I think uh, – Sometimes you can see your wife as as 
speaking to you out of love. I should say your spouse because it's not yeah, always wives. That's that exactly that. right. No, absolutely. But um, you can see that as her speaking to you out of love. I care for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can see that as um, your spouse speaking out of a desire to make you into something that you're not. So you, that's those are all interpretations. What's her motive? Is her motive to just slowly crush you and 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 take everything good from you? <laughs> And point out every little nuance, the negative nuance, or is her intention to just love you? Yeah, do I? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm fond of saying to my students, especially uh, that there are um, two ways to approach a person. You can either turn them. Well, let's let's see. How do I say this? You can either expect them to be someone that they're not, and then act towards them. Yeah. Uh, in that way, or you can love them for who they are, and instead try and discover. Yeah, uh, discover them. And so if you're nagging, then it seems like you're trying to turn your spouse into someone who they're not. Well, and think of that. Just t- take that 10 years down the road. And now all of a sudden, for 10 years, you've been trying to get someone to be something. They, people just don't. We want to change them. Mm-hmm. We don't just want to accept them. And love them for who they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, well, and so nagging uh, can almost become exponential depending on how malleable your spouse is, I suppose. Oh, that's true, huh? Yeah, well, sure. I mean – Oh, yeah, and, and, and how you interpret it too. Mm-hmm. So it's two components, how, how inadequate they really think you are yeah. and how, how exponential that can go sure. and how bad you interpret. Mm-hmm. Ay vey. That sounds horrible. Well, marriage is. It sounds like marriage. That's, <laughs> there, there's – that sounds horrible, Doc. That's probably not the way we want to frame marriage. But that's what makes marriage hard is that we're not being – we're not supposed to get married to fix somebody mm-hmm. and we're supposed to just accept it. Now, I mean imagine how do you interpret somebody that constantly validates or constantly represents the idea that you're not good enough? That's why it's probably coming out as a nag. Oh, yeah. Do they love me? Yeah. Or do they just love parts of me and, mm-hmm. and those other parts they don't love and they want to change about me? So, and then, so now you're rejecting me. So then all of a sudden I'm just going to say, fine, whatever. You're such a nag. Yeah. And um, it might change your behavior. It might. Yeah. It might also make you hate them. Yeah. And then you, then you're you, more likely to do that. It's so true though, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, a nagging, it's not even, again, I, it's never their intent. Nobody wants to go down in history and being, I was a nag. I loved it. That was my sure. favorite thing on earth. So it's really more – I'm just trying to help. In fact, when I work with people and, and the husband says, she's such a nag, it's usually the wife just saying, look, I'm just trying to help. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do if I can't help? Well, Help, help what? Yeah. Help yeah. me be more like what you want. Yeah. Help me not – like this is a nag. So tell me. Let's go through some of these. Is this a nag, Doc? You're wearing that. <laughs> You're wearing that. <laughs> We're going to a dance and you're going to wear that. Yeah, that – sure, that sounds like a nag. Yeah. It's not a nag. That's a question for crying How's out loud. How is that not – yeah, that's did you nag. hear how you asked it though? Exactly. Yeah. Did you hear the cynicism yeah. in that? Uh, yeah. um, how about this? Uh, when's it my turn? When, when, when's it going to be about me? <laughs> uh, I don't ever hear that one. Yeah, those are all new, huh? Isn't this funny? And I think it resonates with everyone. Have you ever read into or gotten into any of um, Deborah Tannen's stuff? No. So Deborah Tannen wrote a book called You Just Don't Understand. She's a linguist, and she, has, she studied men and women. And after our break, we're going to come back and spend a whole other segment just on the differences between men and women when we get into this. But one of the things that she really focused on is this kind of hierarchy thing that happens in our conversations. And so what she got into is the minute uh, we're talking down to somebody, like giving advice, mm-hmm. telling them what to do, 
it sometimes increases the likelihood of the nag effect coming out sure. because I'm hearing this discrepancy in power or whatever in the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. What do you see about that? Well, I think that goes back to what I was saying about whether you love your spouse or whether you love an image of your spouse, uh-huh. right? I mean, um, your image is level with you. Yeah. And your spouse, if, if your spouse doesn't rise to that image, then um, you have to look down and speak down to them. Uh-huh. And, so. and the mere looking changes the tonality, changes oh, yeah. how we oh, yeah. converse. Yeah, because, because clearly I'm right uh-huh. and superior to you as a consequence. And That's so, right. If you were like me. If you were like me. You would not wear pants that don't reach your ankles. <laughs> you loser. Uh, it's a big deal, isn't it? And it's – again, it's just a word. I mean nagging is just a term. But it's – I think it's so universal. That's why the media is going to pick up on a story like this is because it's – we've all felt it. And nagging kind of gets correlated um, – to like, I mean, it kind of makes it's it's what gives, I guess, marriage the bad press or the bad sure. vibe that it's just so negative. Yeah, and in reality, it's not what it's about. Yeah, well, no, it's not what marriage is about. Mm-mm. I mean, marriage is sometimes about that, though, isn't it? Well, I mean, it probably is. It's probably not the goal. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the intended function. But it's the reality when you put two people in a close situation, especially when one doesn't see them as. Yeah, and I think the reality is nagging can't really be avoided. No. Unless you just don't talk to each other. Uh-huh. Well, and see, so that blows up the myth that there should never be a negative conversation. Yeah, I suppose so. We apparently have to have some. That's too bad. And then maybe interpret them as not you're not doing this to hurt me, you're doing this to help me. Maybe. Yeah, sometimes they are trying to hurt you. Yeah, sometimes well, not trying to hurt you. But trying to make you into something that you're not. We just like to say suck the life out of you. Yeah. Just slowly drain you. That makes a whole lot of sense. I mean suck the life out of you and put new life into you. In my life. The my life, life I want That's you to right. have. Where you make exactly. a lot of money and you are very rich. Hypothetical. Do you have the – OK. That was hypothetical. That's, that, I actually, that was just channeled from one of my people today. <laughs> That's all I heard. So excellent. Well, we're going to come back from the break. One of the things I really uh, want to get into is is kind of some of the impacts of this on marriage, a little bit more about some of the maybe gender impact on this because it seems like women take a bigger hit on being the nag. So talk about maybe some of, some of the issues between – the difference between how a man would see it or even how would a man say the same feedback and – why aren't, why aren't men getting called nags? Why is it that when we, when, when we give an example of a nag, why are so many of the times do they tend to be women, female or women yeah. role models? We'll, we'll get into that. Okay? Answer this question right after the break. Okay, everybody. We're going to go to break uh, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on XM, Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The honeymooners, folks. No more nagging than on the honeymooners. Honeymooners, uh, they institutionalize nagging for the rest of the world. For those that didn't know how to nag, the honeymooners did it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking today with Dr. Joe Austinson, professor of psychology from Brigham Young University, and we're following up on a study that was um, reported in the Science Daily on April 18th. 
where the topic was simply nagging, why nagging can be good for your health. And the whole study was basically primarily focused on the fact that uh, if you actually – sometimes nagging gets you to get off your duff and go work out. Sometimes nagging from your children's like, come on, dad, come play with us. Many times that will actually get you running, get you working out, which could be good for your health. Well, since that, we've also gone a little bit deeper into nagging maybe doesn't uh, help everything, especially in the relationship realm um, where usually is where we hear most about nagging. And in our marriages, uh, perhaps it's not the best way to get the best results. So we're going to get a little bit more into that. Now, uh, one of the things that I wanted to kind of get into is this nagging concept in our marriages, especially, and we, we kind of talked about it a bit a few minutes ago, but it seems like women get the bad rap. And what men do, men, men might basically say the exact same thing. Maybe they don't because men may formulate their sentences differently or actually say less, as you were saying, Doc. But maybe what it's all about is for some odd reason, maybe. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Women tend to be the nags in our, in our world. Yeah, and, and that might have something to do with the different ways in which they say it. It might have something to do with uh, uh, men being able to uh, think about things yeah. and take some sort of gratification from that thought, Yeah, such as, uh, well, ever since the baby, you haven't been able to put off some of that weight, yeah. so uh, who's talking to who? And then and we not have it. to express it. It, it seems yeah. like women, for the most part, are, well, maybe I should say typically – uh, feel like they need to express that. Say it. Yeah. yeah. We just got to say it. Get it out there. Got to say it. Get it out there. Right? Be, that's one of the things in that book Deborah Tannen wrote. Um, she basically says, statistically, women communicate for different reasons. That, the way they structure their sentences, you can see that there's a bonding effect. They're trying to bond while they're talking. Their primary goal, she even states, is bonding. Now, that's general, but it's a, she found it statistically was valid. And secondarily, she found... Their secondary goal was actually the data transfer. The data wasn't half as important as the connection. Men, she found, on the other hand, their primary goal isn't is first and foremost data transfer. Mm-hmm. So they tend to talk to just transfer data. Right. And a secondary goal is to maintain their hierarchy, their position. So men are actually watching their positioning in the conversation. So maybe this comes down to if a wife just wants to bond, she's going to say something. I mean, let's get real. Let's bond. Yeah. And if she's worried about your health, she'll say, really, you don't need another donut. Mm-hmm. Stop that. Yeah. And he might hear because she's talking down to him like a mother might. In fact, Deborah Tannen talks about the last woman to have a hierarchy over you in your personal life was your mother, which is why these men throw out this idea that, um, that quit nagging. You sound just like my mother. So in their head. And I don't want to be married to my mother. I know. And by the way, she doesn't want to be married to her son. So this woman – so she's just bonding and he's interpreting it like an attack on his ego, his identity. Do you see that in the conflict? I see that in my marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. (laughs) Well, no. I'm just thinking You know, it used to be I'd get home sometimes and my wife would ask me how my day was and I'd say fine. Cricket, cricket. No, right. by the way, that's a perfect. That's a perfect example, Joe. That was data transfer. She asked a question to Bond, uh-huh. and you gave her a big fat fine, yeah. which is the data. Great, right? And she wants more, and she wants more. Anything and I else? could never figure that out. I could never figure yeah. that out. She eventually stopped talking to me. Yeah. Well, you know what? But I heard your third wife and your fourth. After all these marriages you're having, this is going to work. You're, yeah, you're we'll just burning see. right through them. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> 
Poor professor. I'm out for the fifth if anybody's interested. <laughs> yeah. He's free. Single. <laughs> Actually, um, I should say that. I am still married. <laughs> you are. Married to your first wife. Love her to death. Um, but isn't it interesting? It's uh, She's just trying to get you talking. So maybe this nagging is really just her way of saying, connect with me. Engage. Yeah, it's possible. Engage. And then we got into the interpretation. And then maybe he just is interpreting it like, get off my back. Quit telling me sure. I can't have another donut. Yeah. And then tell me how that affects intimacy. Because one of the things you talk about is conflict and intimacy. And how do those parallel? Uh, well, I think what's probably going on for the most part is misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if, it, if it's true that my wife really is trying to bond with me, I'm misunderstanding that. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that she's just trying to uh, get me to tell her, to give her the data. Yeah. Um, and, and so I suppose at its most fundamental level, intimacy is about getting to, getting to know each other. Yeah. And you don't get to know someone when you uh, project yourself upon them, when you say, uh, she's just nagging me. Yeah. She's, if she's trying to bond with me, then maybe I spend a little more time um, trying to understand why. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to bond with her just yet, but yeah, maybe understanding why she, yeah. bo- she wants to What's bond What's her motive with for right. this? Yeah. And then try to skew it, I guess, at least neutral. So instead of – we're already kind of jaded to skew it. Sure. She's attacking me. Let's yeah. just maybe skew it to neutral. Yeah, yeah. At it, least not it, see her as an enemy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Predict that future, right? Yeah. So I suppose in terms of intimacy, it's probably it's. It, I know this is probably a stretch for a lot of guys, yeah. but it's probably a, a good thing to to try and figure out maybe what's going on in this situation. Yeah. To think through it, uh, to be a little bit more patient with our wives and and say, hey, well, um, you're asking me how my day is, and I don't really feel like giving you more information than just fine. Yeah. But can you maybe tell me why you're – I don't know. Yeah, what are you I, about? Here? I hate to recommend communication as any sort of strategy. But <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid. Maybe that's a good idea. Well, and maybe stuff. learning. I mean if you've been doing – if you're having this problem 20 years into your marriage, mm-hmm. it's probably time to learn. Sure. So what is she trying to do? So maybe that's what you're saying is let's go understand what is her actual goal by saying how was your day? Maybe it's not a data transfer she's looking for. But maybe my wife will always say – She'll, she won't even say it anymore, but she's like, Ugh. she'll just sit on the couch and she'll say something like, what a day. And she wants you to ask her. Uh-huh. She's, it's just this prime, like, ask me. And then I'm brilliant and I say, look, get a housekeeper, okay? <laughs> look, it, take the kids out once in a while and then I go off in my brilliant tirade. Yeah. <laughs> and we miss the point. It sounds like you're And doing then I start nagging. Yeah. See, so I am the male nag. It's true, Joe. I am the male nag. Um, if if women nag, what do men do? Because men have got to come out, fantasize. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, that doesn't sound as good. Let, no, it doesn't. You but need to find I, a better one. Think about that. I mean, Let's think about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just shooting off. The yeah, that's here. all right. We all are. But uh, women are nagging. Let's say women are nagging. Because they want to change their spouse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've established that or not. Maybe, yeah, they, get, maybe they do want to bond. Well, they actually may want to bond. They may want to actually change them. Yeah. They may just want – yeah, so pain to stop. Yeah. They may be worried. I mean there's probably 50,000 reasons. Interestingly, we just call it nagging. Yeah. But here's, here's where maybe I'm being a little more serious because it seems like men rather than sort of confront what they don't like about their spouse – 
um, do fantasize a little bit. And sometimes it's about their spouse. So oh, I wish my wife could be this way yeah. or could be that way. And then maybe that leads to fantasizing about others. I don't know. Oh, interesting, which might lead them into other things that, yeah. you know. I mean, certainly it's not going to help intimacy. No. It's going to drive them apart. So it's interesting. Uh, we're both trying to make somebody different. One does it more proactively by saying something. Yeah. I want to change you, so let's say hey, you need to lose 10 pounds. The other might just not say anything because they don't passive. want to offend and then passive. And then they go start thinking of other things, yeah. looking at stuff, looking at porn, yeah, sur- surfing. We're just not liking the mm-hmm. other person because they don't meet their expectations. Yeah, it's huge. So. Well, an, an interesting component, I guess, is then all of a sudden neither of us are present in no. our marriage. And, and that's – I mean, that's the opposite of intimacy. That's exactly right. There's now, no presence. We're devoid of the presence. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, too, um, we both know that. Yeah. Which probably heightens either our fantasy or our nagging. Yeah. It gives energy to it, doesn't and it? And all of a sudden, yeah, this energy makes us want more, grasp more, mm-hmm. grasp faster, tighter. Interesting. Oh, see, I mean, and, and in the end, that's what I'm seeing with all my clients, too, is people just want connection. They want closeness. And yet we're all so afraid of it. We're working against it. No, that's exactly – I think that's – What's the fear about, do you think? Seriously. I mean we should, these are the people we love the most. Why are we so, so afraid? Yeah, well, we're afraid that if – oh, I don't know. Or not just Honestly, fear. Why know, are we so – sometimes it's fear. I think it's fear. Mm-hmm. I mean I think we're afraid uh, that they'll actually get to know who we are. We know who we are. Yeah. And we know that, that we are – we're a little uh, messed up. Yeah, we're messed up. <laughs> we yeah. don't want them to know. Yeah, we don't want them to know because oh, because we worship them, we love them, yeah. and and if they know how messed up we are, they might turn against us, they might run reject away, us. they might reject us. Yeah, I mean it's That's it's huge. a downward spiral. It is, and you know what? I, it's universal, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, this is the plight of man. Yep. Is I don't want to be rejected, so I disconnect, which then makes you nag, which then makes me reject you. Yeah. Yeah. We're so messed up. Yep, we are. But so what's one thing? If we had to think of one thing, what's one thing we could do to get the intimacy in the moment, to be present, to let go of some of our fear? Use the bathroom in front of each other. That's true. <laughs> Awkward, but totally true. <laughs> I like sorry. it. No, but well, you're vulnerable. Yeah. So part of intimacy is risk and vulnerability, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to be willing to sort of put yourself out there and say, hey, this is who I am. And yeah. guess what? I'm real like you. That's right. But when they do that, don't nag. Don't, oh, definitely don't not. Don't make any no. comments in the middle of it. No, no. Yeah, definitely don't critique them on – Because that we'll would be so there, bad. Right? Yeah. You know what? I, I appreciate that because that, this is our uh, – this is our – one of our first shows and you you came right out of the shoot telling us to go to the bathroom in front of each other, which is <laughs> – we're making some good – we're making good radio here, Joe. I, well, I hope so. <laughs> It really is. I, and I think you really did hit the core because this is a big deal. And so we live two separate lives. We spend our entire life mm-hmm. pretending like we're in mm-hmm. and we're really never in. And then we use labels like nagging and like he doesn't care yeah. to kind of hide the yeah. fact that neither of us really knows how to get yeah. close to each other. Yeah. Oh, it's a big deal. So, yeah, use the bathroom. But really what you're more saying is risk. Mm-hmm. Be vulnerable. Be willing to be different. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're too afraid of being different. Mm-hmm. And be who you really are. Yeah. So really maybe be by being different is just really be you. You know, especially because we're here at BYU, we're probably speaking to a lot of religious people. I think 
I think um, there are probably some things about the way you see your own religion, your own faith, yeah. that you don't share with anybody, including your spouse, it's because true. you're afraid of, of how different that is from other people. Yeah. Be willing to share that. Share it. Just see how Be your open. spouse handles it. Lay it out there. Yeah, why not? I think you're right on, my friend. Um, the human. That's the human issue right there for today, anyway. We're trying to figure out. It's really probably not about nagging. It's about fear. It's about risk. Appreciate the, appreciate the interview, Doctor. Joe Austinson, professor of psychology, Brigham Young University. Thanks so much for your insight. Thanks for helping us learn to risk a little bit. We're going to come back right after this break, folks, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. If I had bacon and egg shampoo with Pop-Tart cream rinse, are you going to put that on your head in bear country? The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to bring on our gang of producers And we're going to do a fun little segment here that we call Was It Worth It? And we're going to go through a little bit of a uh, round table here, even though our table's not round. And we're going to give everyone a chance to tell us one story about other humans. And uh, some of the stories are successes. Some seem to be failures. Some are cheers. Some are jeers. And all we want to figure out is, do we think it was worth it? We'll choose one of the stories that we think was the best that maybe exemplifies the highest form of humanity and we're going to go through the round. Let's do it now. Let's go right now and start. Where do we want to start? With Tom. All right. Go ahead, Tom, my friend. What's your story? Let me tell you about my friend Remus. Remus Medley just ran the Boston Hold Marathon. Hold on. Is that his real name? That is his name. Remus Medley. As far as the AP has it. He was running the Boston Marathon close to the finish line. It was within view. All of a sudden, his legs cramp up. Oh, I hate so he's that. been running for hours and yeah. realizes he's not going to be able to finish. So what does Remus do? He goes up on his hands and finishes the race upside down, walking on his hands. So the oh first my. one to finish the Boston Marathon upside down. Word. Pretty that cool. That is huge. Okay. Totally worth it. What? Totally worth it, don't you think? Oh, yeah. He's I mean, I, it's funny. I saw Rob walking that way today up into the studio. <laughs> Why does he walk on his hands, you guys? He says, my legs are killing me. I don't me. get very far that way. That's pretty sad. Okay, that's pretty good. Hand walker. Okay, who else? Who wants to be next? You're up, dog. So this one's been done by uh, Pizza Hut. They. So th- does everyone like pizza? Love it. Okay, does everyone like cheeseburgers? Yes. Yes. They have been combined into something either wonderful or awful. We'll okay. see. Okay. But bun on the pizza. Well, that's just it. So the outer crust uh-huh. is cheeseburgers. So it's like little cheeseburger pods oh, on the gosh. end. Oh yeah, I heard my heart it. rate just wow. went up. It doesn't sound good. It's only available in the Middle East. I gotta go. Why? I have no idea. Do they? You know what? If they deep fry that, you'd have the perfect meal. <laughs> you would. The perfect storm. Why don't they deep fry that bad boy? Okay, now tell me. So, first of all, was it worth it? That, I don't get I, the, the... Where's the human factor there? Well, it's why did Pizza Hut decide to put probably the most American dish ever created yeah. in you know probably what? the least American place on the well, earth? Well, because he's trying to kill him. Oh, well. Don't you think? I think the real question is, after you finish a slice, you say, that wasn't worth it. (laughs) That was not worth (laughs) it. As it falls into your stomach. I'll be right back. I've got to go to the bathroom. 
apparently with my wife yeah. you know, nowadays <laughs> if we're going to have Joe involved here. Okay, good. Okay, I don't know. That might not be worth it. I think we've lost him. Bryce, bad I think, idea. I think it's worth it. You think it's worth it, Rob? Yeah, just fine. Okay, <laughs> who's up next? Miles or Rob? 16-year-old girl in China walking down the sidewalk texting. 16. And uh, you'd see all the time in the news that people who are texting and falling a fountain. Oh, sure. Who does guy walked into a bear in Glendale. And- yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> Not the fault of the girl. She's just walking down the street texting by herself, and the sidewalk collapsed, and she fell in a pit that was Holy 15 feet deep. cow. But the real story is the taxi cab driver who saw this happen and decided, you know what, I'm going to go in. And so he, I don't know how he did it, but there's some kind of cable that the concrete used to be suspended on, and he hung on to that and somehow got down and uh, was able to get there and help rescue her when the uh, firefighters cow. came. I think it was worth it. I think that guy's a stud. He reminds me of Miles, who's about to go next. That's a good one. I think that is a was it worth it. We'll tell you which one's the winner in a minute. Miles, what's your take? Well, my guy is, we're going to call this one the social gas thief. So (laughs) my buddy um, living in Kentucky, uh, Mr. Baker, who is 20, posted a picture of himself uh, displaying a crude hand gesture and siphoning gas from a cop car. Oh my and gosh. so the picture went viral in the city and eventually getting to the police department. And the police uh, sent out an arrest warrant to him. And, um, and on his Facebook page, Mr. Baker told his friends that he'd been arrested for Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, and then he tried getting away saying it was just a joke. Oh, so. yeah, I was just kidding, man. <laughs> I swallowed all that gas. Okay, what do you think? I don't think that was worth it. I well, think with the gas prices the way they are, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point, Tom. That's a great point. Sheldon, on the board, what do you think? What's your story? All right, so uh, it was just a Earth Day a few days back, and so down in San Francisco, there was a group of green activists that decided to go out and have a party in a park. And so they have their party on Earth Day. And, and you then know they how le- they party, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then they uh, they have their party, and then they leave the park completely trashed. They trashed the park. They trashed it, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it- man. See, that makes me mad. Green activity. But it was biodegradable trash. <laughs> it was all- so it's okay. <laughs> it was totally worth it just for the irony. Right? Just the irony in that the story. irony makes it worth it. Totally worth it. Okay, so the winner. Highest form of humanity, right? That's what we're going for. Was it worth it? Uh, obviously, some were just messed up people. Was it worth it? I would say the winner and still champion. I think Rob won that one. You won, Rob. The guy, the taxi cab driver who rescued the girl on the sidewalk. Yeah, that dude was a stud. Now, I like the hand walker. Worth it. Yeah, but that was self-interest with finishing the race. Rob's, that was totally selfless. Totally selfless. Climbs down in a hole. I got one that we didn't even put in there if we got enough time to do it. What about other than the Helen Keller glasses, which just not worth not it? Not worth it. Was nah. the I guess nowadays one of the the health officials are totally struggling with a brand new problem, where there's a trend in emergency rooms with teenagers being treated for alcohol poisoning because they're drinking hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, yeah. You got to be careful too. The wrong alcohol can just kill you. Well, but you know what? Their teeth. Minty fresh, <laughs> clean, clean sanitized. <laughs> but okay, fact not worth it. Okay, absolutely, positively not worth it. Great job, guys. Nice little round table from the men and the boys. We're still trying to get some lady producers, some female producers. We're working on that because I think we're a little shy of a full deck with this group. You with me? I would agree. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are great, though. Um, 
So to wrap up the show, appreciate your time. We thank you for listening to us. We're going to be on every day of the week, uh, 3 o'clock, and help you drive home. And, again, let's challenge you with a little bit of something before we leave. Uh, to kind of wrap up the show, remember a lot, of, a lot of stuff about human life, human relationships. One of my favorite quotes to wrap it up is Carl Jung said, um, that which is most personal is most universal, right? The things that are most personal to us, every one of these stories, we've all been stupid to some degree or not, or we've all been heroic to some degree or not. We also have nagged a little bit. We've also whined a little bit. Uh, and the challenge of the story is I want you to just not listen to the show and then not go home and do something about it. Will you please take something from the show that you learned today and go change your life or your wife's life, your family's life? Our goal on the show is to elevate humanity. Our belief is if just one of us can do a little bit better, those around us will tend to follow, and we are going to change the world one really healthy human at a time. So a challenge for you, take something from the show. I'd suggest especially that you maybe look a little bit more into some of your fears that might be around nagging. Maybe it's not even really about nagging. Maybe the issue's more that you're just not willing to be close enough. And then according to our good Dr. Joe, um, you can always go to the bathroom with each other, which creates a risky moment. And also creates, I think, a little bit of uh, not. I think it's going to give you a chance to create closeness. Not just that, but risking. The goal of intimacy, uh, inevitably, the benefit of intimacy or uh, risking is intimacy. Um, if we can handle each other and honor each other the way we should. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate you listening to the show. We're going to be back every day now, Monday through Friday, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.